Uh, it's so good to be back. You guys, I was a soccer mom this morning. Do you know I was at a soccer game on Pier 5 before we came here? Totally just changed my outfit in the car. Grateful for Jess, who picked me up. I'm like, <gasps> so uh, Sam did a great job. His team won-ish because they're like scrimmaging four on four, you know. But Sam is like such a dude with his long hair, you know. If you know my youngest, his hair is like so long. And he swipes it like this. Um, so it was fun being a soccer mom this morning with the view of Manhattan. And... Uh, I miss, I have missed you guys. It is good to be home. It is good to look at you. It's good to meet new people. There's a lot of new people. I'm like, who are you? I haven't met you. So welcome. It's good to have you here. And I am loving this series and I'm going to pray and get straight into the word. I wish I didn't have to go to Bay Ridge after this so I could just mosey and connect and talk with all of you, but I'm going to bring the word. I know, right? Next week. No, next week I'm at downtown. I'm a liar. Um, let me tell the truth. Uh, so I won't be here, but I, I, it's just good to be home because Brooklyn is home for me too. So Father, I just thank you for your word and I thank you for your people. I thank you for how deeply and lovely you minister to us as we just offer our hearts to you in worship. It was just so beautiful to connect with you this morning. And I just pray that continuation of connection with you, Father, of us understanding how deeply you love us and you want us to flourish in our relationship with you, but in our relationship with one another. So this morning as your word goes forth, I just ask that I would be completely and totally your mouthpiece. Holy Spirit, that you would lead my every word and have your way. And that this would be a time of equipping and transformation. That maybe today there are things where um, we, we, didn't, we haven't heard that before. Why have I not heard it that way before? But that you would bring revelation that is activated in our hearts and therefore brings about change change in our relationships and the way we do life together. So thank you for health. I bless this community with health, health and relationship, health and connection, health and community. And I just thank you for this time together of equipping in Jesus name. Amen. 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 So if, if you're taking notes, my message, I'm talking about safe people, uh, about how we can engage in relationships with safe people and how we can become a safe person. So there's a few different ways that I'm going to break this down this morning. And there was a reason why I wanted to sit down because I'm actually going to be looking, you know how I do move around like a lot and like move a lot. I am probably going to be more stationary this morning. Uh, this is a bit more of a teaching message and breaking down some content that has actually deeply changed my life that I want to share with you and things that I believe will empower you. Uh, our sabbatical was amazing. I know my husband was here last week talking about boundaries. Who loved the boundaries um, conversation? My husband has always had good boundaries, so much so that I was scared of him when I first met him. Um, <laughs> boundaries. Um, but he's amazing. Uh, but our sabbatical was phenomenal. Our time together as a family of connection and rest. And, you know, I rested a lot. We slept in a lot and stayed up really late. Like we let the kids, we stayed up very late most nights and then slept in very late. It was like a dream. Like I just want to encourage the parents whose kids aren't sleeping. The day will come when they sleep and you have to try to wake them up. So it will come. It will happen. But, um, you know, ate a lot of good food. Who loves food? Who just loves like figuring out out the next place to eat. Yes, it's just life is good with food in it. And um, I read a lot of novels. Do I have any novel reading friends who just love a good novel? Like to the point where I'd lock myself in the door. Like no one talks to me. I'm in a good part. Like, and I am not coming out. So go ahead and watch all the shows you want because I'm going to read this book. And um, read a lot of novels. <laughs> 
read a lot of books. I mean, often we would go even to the park and I'd read a novel and the kids would play soccer and um, bring other people together. I made them all bring books too. I'm like, if you get bored, you have to read a book because the blanket is the quiet reading place. Um, so did a lot of reading and just resting and connecting. It was great. Um, so I read a lot of novels, but there was one kind of soul work book that I read because I was like, I don't want to just go away and be like, Bleh. I was like, Lord, if you want to do open heart surgery, in me, I want to let you do that. And you know how I was, when you go away, you're like, which book is it? What are you, what do you want me to do? Like, which one is it? And um, the book by, this book called Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk was a book that just kept coming up. I had never read it. And it was in conversation, you know, when a book just keeps appearing, I was like, I think I should probably bring that book. Well, I start to read the first chapter, and it was one of those ones where I'm like, Paul, Paul, come in here. We have to talk. He's like, wow, okay. But he ended up reading it too because I would read a chapter, and then he would be like, I've got to read this book. But first chapter in, and God was like open heart surgery on this time together. Like I couldn't sleep. I was waking up early in the morning, or I was up late at night and going downstairs and praying in the place that we were staying. But, you know, the truth is, is that God healed and is continuing to heal a lot of areas in me that caused me, that caused me to be an unsafe and powerless victim in my relationships. The Lord showed me where I was unsafe and powerless, where I was a victim in my relationships. And it was like the Lord was reminding me, he's like, hey, Andy, you are the common denominator in every relationship you are in. And so I realized that some of my views of God were marred by human interaction. Hello, we all do that, right? We're like, we let our human interactions mar and shape the way our view of God, our relationship with the Godhead is. And it was getting me to this point, it got me to this point where I had allowed myself to be a victim in relationships instead of a loved, safe, powerful person contributing to relationships. That's why even that song, I'll lean back into your loving arms. I'm like, oh, I, I, there was parts of me where I realized from the time I was a child, the ways that I had viewed God as a father. You know, some of you have heard my family's story and you know, my, some of you know my parents, some of you don't. I have a very redeemed relationship with my family. But my dad, my relationship with him, he was, he was just so broken as I was growing up that he was not able to be present for me. And so I realized that I had this view of God. You guys, I am 41 years old. Just shared my birthday with Beyonce. And so I, um, <laughs> I'm 41 years old and I'm away on sabbatical realizing that I view God as someone who is not present in my life, but who tells me what to do. What? <laughs> I mean, that broke me, but it made me realize how I was interacting and being unsafe in different relationships, how I was a victim in some of my relationships because my view of God. You know, Danny Silk has this quote out of his book that says, powerful people know that the choice to love must be strong enough to withstand the fear and pain that has derailed them in the past. And what I realized is, is for me, you know, I, I'm one of those people, I don't know how you are in friendship, relationship, um, marriage, whatever. I am like all in. I'm like, hi, so good to meet you. Let's jump into the deep end. Like a little bit too much. I come on a little too strong, okay? 
And I realize there is a part of me that does that, but I would set myself up for failure, expecting something of other people that they could never give me. And then hurt and pain would come into a relationship. There'd be betrayal or people would leave. And then I have realized, wow, but I, as a powerful person, can get to a place where I know that my, me continuing to show up, me continuing to pastor, me continuing to make new friendships and relationships, me continuing in loving my husband well, means that I have to withstand, be able to be a powerful person, that that love must be strong enough to withstand the fear and the pain that has completely derailed me in the past. Because we all know that we are born to be loved and give love, right? We are literally born to be loved and then to give love. But as we grow up, as we walk through life, trust is broken. Unsafe people enter our world and therefore we become unsafe and relationships can become dysfunctional because we become a victim in these relationships. Now, this particular message in this series, I'm really excited about because what we're going to embark on, we will focus on biblical guidance for making safe and powerful choices in relationships from family to friendship to romance and work, marriage, all of the relationships that you're in. And what we're going to do is we're going to explore traits of powerless and powerful people, or powerless and powerful people, as well as relationally untrustworthy people, and discover what makes people relationally safe and how to avoid um, unhealthy entanglements. Does that sound like empowering? Does that sound helpful? Um, I think it's really important because we talk about community as a church, but I think we all know the reality of community is it's messy and people are involved, we're involved. <laughs> and we know the things that we're dealing with on the inside of ourselves or not dealing with. And so we've gotta, we've gotta learn how to first start with us, the common denominator, and then, and then go into relationships looking for safe people, but also loving unsafe people too, but with boundaries, right? Just listen to last week's message about boundaries and put these two together. Um, but before I delve into those points that I want to teach on this morning, you know, as I was thinking about this message and praying, um, I, I want to talk about the safest person I know. And, oh, man, I, we can go back to Liberty Kids. What would they be screaming in Liberty Kids right now? Jesus! <laughs> right? The safest person I know. The person who has remained steady, the one who rescued me and recovered my life, who when I, when I am an unsafe person, he just sits there and he's ready to come in and heal and restore. And he has given himself all of us. And I thought about this. I was like, why was Jesus so safe? Even as we read the gospels, I really started to ponder this. Why was Jesus such a safe person? Why? We've got to ask this question because he is the model for us of safety in relationship. I mean, why did prostitutes... Why did tax collectors, why did the most hated people in society, why did wealthy sinners and the outcast and the broken and the cripple and your average Joe, why did they follow him? Why did they fall at his feet? Why did they reach out for healing? Why did they trust this man? Everyone but the religious leaders, why did they trust him? Do you ever ask these questions while you read the word of God? You're like, this guy, why did he attract these crowds? Now, it was interesting being in Israel a couple of months ago because as we stood on the place where he did the Sermon on the Mount, which is like the most radical sermon. If you, if you ever want to know what it, what it means to follow Jesus, go read the Sermon on the Mount and then be like, whoa, we need Jesus to do this. <laughs> but as I stood there um, on top of where he did the Sermon on the Mount, and I was talking to our guide, 
um, you know, he was talking about the places where Jesus would go. He goes, you know, he was just a famous healer at the time too. People, some people believed he was the Messiah, but some people just wanted something from him. There were crowds that showed up because this man was doing miracles. I don't think they cared if he was the Messiah or not. They're like, there is a miracle and I can be healed. I'm going to go find this guy. I mean, so if you think about it, that's why every tribe and every tongue and people were showing up. I mean, why would people chase after him? Maybe it was to get something. I mean, we are human, right? Any of us in our humanness just show up to Jesus to get something? Never done that before. You know, but... But when they found him, this is the question we've got to ask. Did he exert his power over the people? Did he? Think about that, though. What is a powerful person? Is it someone who tells people what to do, who exerts his power over the people? No, he would say stuff that just offended people. And then he would like whittle down his disciples to a very few. (laughs) I mean, but he didn't tell people, you must stay because I am the son of God. He did not exert his power over people. Did he force them to be healed? Even that. He didn't force people to be healed. He didn't force people to follow him. No, he instead asked questions like, what do you need? What do you want? Do you know that's what a safe person does in relationship? They didn't come to be served, but to serve. With my own husband. Man, he is so servant-hearted. My husband is the kind one in the relationship. I mean, seriously. He is a good man. And, um, and he is constantly going, what can I do to serve you? How can I help you? I was like, what can I? Yes, I should ask that question of you too. How can I serve you as well, husband? <laughs> right? But I love that, that, that nature of Jesus that came to say, what can I do for you? What do you need? Even though he already knew. He knows what you need. He wasn't like, you know what I'm going to do because I'm the son of God and I can see what you need and let me prophesy over you and tell you everything that you need to fix about your life and you better do it because I am the son of God. Do you remember? He did not exert his power over people like that. He wasn't, I am the smartest person in the room. Do you guys know that? That is not, that's false power. Humility came with his power. Instead, what did he do? He laid down his life for love. That is safety in a relationship. He laid down his life for reconciliation and recovery and connection with us. He exerted self-control without the need to control others. That is the ultimate of safety in a relationship. I don't need to control you. I don't need you to become what I need you to be to make me feel better or safe. No, I am safe because I activate self-control in my life. I don't need to control you. And even if you crazy and you say mean things to me and you talk down to me, it does not have to affect who I am because I know who I am. That's being a powerful person. And you know what amazes me about Jesus is that he loves us even if we don't love him back. Does that blow your mind? A man who would lay down everything for love, give everything for love, and he doesn't say, you better love me back. He says, it is your choice. It is your choice to lay down your life for me or not. He laid it all on the line and he still continues to. He still continues to reach out for connection. He is still willing to fight for connection with us even when we don't fight for it. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than he who laid down his life for his friends. That sounds like a pretty safe and powerful person to me. What about you? A safe man. Why did we run to Jesus? 
I mean, even as we sung about this love, like this is the greatest love I, I have ever found. I mean, many of you also, I, I've told parts of my story, but I remember walking into a church desperate. I, I was ruining my life to try to find love. And I walked into a place where they were singing, I could sing of your love forever. And it was the purest place I have ever walked in. It was like I was hit with this wall of unconditional love that rescued every part of me. It was the safest place I had ever been was in the presence of God. And in God's wisdom, we are instructed in our relationships to follow this kingdom model of becoming a safe person in our relationships, but also finding safe relationships where we grow. Now here, I'm not talking about people in your world that God is like, you need to love them. Um, I, I have so many friends that don't follow Jesus, and so we should. I have some of my most wonderful friends. They are wonderful people, and I love them so much. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about in our marriages, in our dating relationships, in our friendships, in our discipleship circles, us being wise about taking responsibility for our own life and being safe and following a kingdom model in what he says about relationship. Let me just give you a few scriptures. Proverbs 12, 26, kingdom models, right? So us paying attention not to how the world's like, you know, here's my, uh, my whatever. I, have, don't, I don't have a hashtag that's coming. What's it called? What do we need to say? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but what I'm saying is, is, is we've got to not look at the world first. We've got to look at the kingdom model first. It says this in Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. It sounds like the Lord is saying that there are safe people and not so safe people to befriend or unfriend and not just on social media. <laughs> But then we need to be paying attention to what God is saying because some friends will lead us and walk with us down the path of life and all that that entails. And others will lead us astray or abandon us when adversity comes. We've all been there, haven't we? Those adverse seasons where you thought you were friends, but then rejection or betrayal or abandonment takes place. And then you find yourself in this place of feeling powerless in your relationships. Well, I want to encourage you that you can be powerful no matter the circumstance of what others choose. That you can be safe and find people that are safe as well. And like I said, to find safe people, we have to start with ourselves. Are we safe? We have to take responsibility for our end of the relationship because we are the common denominator. So let me break down a couple of things for you. I want to talk about becoming a powerful person because when you are a powerful person, you are a safe person. And you'll see why as we break this down. Now, again, I would encourage you to buy Danny Silk's book, Keep Your Love On. This is, I am literally taking the notes from this man's book. So I am not standing here going, you know, I pondered and I sat there and I came up with these amazing points. Call me brilliant. Pat me on the back. No, this man is brilliant. And I want to share with you what has revolutionized and will continue to revolutionize my world, our family's world, and the relationships that I know that I am in. So um, this is actually a synopsis of chapter one. Um, so powerful people, what are powerless people? Let's start there. Let's start what a powerless person looks like. And I think when I read this, oh man, you know when you just, we got to, again, start with ourselves, not like, oh, look at all these powerless people in my life. Like it's very easy to make a list of the powerless people that you want to point your finger at. But you've got to look at the powerlessness that you walk in first. 
And so I think that's really important. So powerless people blame the messes they make on other people, like life, marriage, with their child, job, finances, all of it, for the way that things are, as if it has nothing to do with their choices. There is no ownership. They don't have the power to create their own lives because of fill in the blank. They take no responsibility for their heart issues. So it's always someone else's fault or society's fault or why. So that's powerless. Like I am here because of all of these reasons. Powerless people also create anxiety-driven environments with a thin veneer of safety, um, which covers the underlying currents of control and intimidation. Entering relationship here means you either shape up or you go with it, or you'll realize that you'll never be safe to be yourself. You also learn how to protect yourself in a fear-based, anxiety-driven relationship, hindering um, you to know how to enter into a safe relationship because you always have this armor on, because you've gotten used to be in anxiety-driven environments where you're just knowing that you need to be controlled or intimidated. Anybody have neighbors like that? Yeah, those are, anyway, I might be speaking from my own life right now. Um, so, you know what's so interesting is this was me 11 years ago. I was very good at creating an anxiety-driven environment. Many of you know I've written a book called She is Free, and that is the journey that I walked on to break free of many of the lies that held me captive and caused me to create fear-based environments that my family was growing up in. You may have heard the story where I, have ha- I had to control my outer world because my inner world was so out of control. And so even the toy room had to be perfect. And there was this one moment where Zeke dumped out the Legos and I, I snapped and actually terrified my th- then three-year-old son, who's 14 now and taller than me. And uh, 11 years ago, watching him be terrified of me was this, this wake-up moment. And I remember him clean- he cleaned up the Legos. He he cleaned up the Legos and apologized to me for playing with his toys as a child. I I was a powerless victim to a lot of my circumstance and the things that I grew up in and the dark season I was walking through. And then what ended up happening is the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I apologized and reconciled with my three-year-old son and asked for his forgiveness. And he's like, of course I forgive you because kids are awesome and we need to have faith like a child because children. And so... The thing is, is I remember him saying, I forgive you, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Andy, if you don't deal with the matters of your heart, this little boy will be trying to clean up your messes for the rest of his life. And that is what a powerless person does. They let other people clean up their messes. 11 years later, I am reconciled. My, my son and I have a beautiful relationship and we still have to work on stuff and I have to realize when it's my issues and not his issues and I gotta deal with my own heart and not be a controlling person, we're still on the journey. But understanding that's what a powerless person does. But what does a powerful person do? What does a powerful person do? And we're not talking about the loudest person in the room. Don't we often think that the loudest person in the room is the most powerful person? The most demonstrative person in the room is the most powerful. That's not often the case. Sometimes it is the most peaceful, quiet person that walks in a strength and a power that blows the mind. So we have to be aware this is not a personality thing. Um, Danny Silk says this, powerful people do not try to control other people. They know it doesn't work and it's not their job. Their job is to control themselves. Fruit of the Spirit, self-control, right? Holy Spirit, we've got to be led by the Spirit of God. What do powerful people do? Straight from chapter one. Powerful people deliberately create environments in which they want to live. They don't try to get people to respect them. They create respectful environments by showing respect. They set the standard for how they expect to be treated by how they treat others. 
Another thing is, as, as they con, um, consistently act in responsible, respectful, and loving ways, it becomes clear that the only people who can get close to them are those who know how to show respect and honor, be responsible, and love well. Powerful people are not affected or infected by their environment. They refuse to be victims of others. Powerful people require others to be powerful around them. <laughs> to the powerless person, they would say, well, what are you going to do about that? <laughs> what have you tried? What else could you try? Even for me, sometimes when we were first starting the church, because it was literally just my husband and I, people would come up to us and be like, well, you need to fix this and we need to do that. And I was like, well, you're part of the body. What are you going to do about that? And they're like, what? <laughs> but for me, I was like, I actually can't do everything, but we need to do this together. Let me hand that back over to you. Um, you know, powerful people take responsibility for their decisions and the consequences of those decisions. Hello, we all have to do that. Some of you are tired this morning. You know why? Like it just, it was choices you made last night. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> The sulfates in that wine, it got me. <laughs> okay, I'm just, but we, we have to take responsibility, right? For the choices we make, but so often I'm like, no, that was your choice and it's your fault. But we have to take responsibility. Um, popular opinion or the pressures of others do not sway the language of a powerful person. Anybody feel the need to respond on social media right away, but you haven't taken a powerful moment to go, what does the power and the spirit of God say before I respond to the environment? We've never done that, none of us. Take your time. A powerful person takes their time. A powerful person, um, it's their choice. Their choice to love will stand no matter what the other person does or says. You guys, that's difficult. I love you even if you don't love me back. I will reach out for connection even if there is no connection back. And powerful people know who they are on a consistent basis. Powerful people know. So how do we become powerful? How do we become powerful? One thing, repentance. Repentance. We've just got to change the way that we not just think, but the way we live as well. We've got to identify lies that we have believed about being powerless. And this was, I sat there, I was on chapter one for a long time. I was like, what are the lies I believed? I'm like, lie, 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 lie. Oh my gosh. And then I had to break agreements with those lies and then go, God, what is the truth about who you are and what you say? Lies that I, gosh, I was kind of blown away that I had been living in. My view of God, all those things I talked about. I renounced those lies and then I am choosing to actively partner with the truth. This is how we continually become powerful. This is how we become a safe person. And I think for us, um, it's a powerful choice to continue to love someone with boundaries again, <laughs> even if the love is not returned. That does not mean, what I'm not saying is, if, if it's an abusive, anxiety-driven relationship, you can still forgive them in your heart Walk through that and still love them with boundaries. It doesn't mean that you need to be BFFs or hang out all the time. But it also doesn't have to affect the way you think and live your life. You get to be powerful. You get to. And so the truth is, is that building a safe relationship requires evaluating character as well. So I'm going to go into some Henry Cloud in the last moments that we have together, which he's written a book called Safe People. So these are the two books I would recommend. Keep Your Love On and Safe People by Henry Cloud. 
brilliant guys that have taught me so much and I'm so grateful for them. But I think he, he says this, many times Christians do not think of evaluating the character of those they choose to be in relationship with. They often think that to do so would be judgmental. Certainly, we are not to play God and judge someone's eternal state as the judge of the universe will. <laughs> but we are commanded to judge the sense in the sense of evaluating others in terms of our deciding to have close friendship with them or relationship with them, right? Hello, marriage is a big choice. Let's think about this. Um, relationship, friendship, it's a big choice because we all have busy lives, do we not? We all have a lot going on. And this is out of 1 Corinthians 5 and 15. Instead of looking to the kinds of character traits that God deems important, we look to the external things that do not have much to do with how someone ultimately performs in relationships. We look to externals, religious performance and how they appear, instead of what Jesus talked about as the deeper relational aspects of the law, such as justice, mercy, and faithfulness. In Matthew 23, 23. Is someone honest and fair? Are they merciful? Can they be trusted? Are these issues, um, these are the issues Jesus told us to look at. So the first thing we have to get over is the feeling that God does not want us to look at these things. It's okay. It's okay to evaluate people. Don't go over into the judgment zone and the gossip zone. That's not what I'm talking about. Just go, hey, is this something that I am ready to invest in relationship with? He wants us to help each other as well as to protect ourselves from evil. Um, And so I kind of want to jump into these things very quickly uh, before I I head off to Bay Ridge. Um, Okay. Or can I just send this to someone? Do you guys want to preach the rest of the message? Do we have, is it going to be okay? Is Bay Ridge okay? They're they're good? I was like, start later. Tell them to start late. Um, So I want to give you a few common traits of unsafe people. So again, we can see this in ourselves. This is straight from Henry Cloud. And also see that maybe in some of the relationships we're already in and we need to have some conversations about. Perfectionism. When you are around them, you feel like you can't slip up or be human. And uh, they will definitely not show you that they are going to slip up and be human. Anyone ever been in a relationship where you're like, am I the hot mess? The only hot mess in this relationship? <laughs> and if they do open up, you may find that after they open up, they'll run. Because they'll isolate. They're afraid that they just showed you too much. Um, they even may talk down to you like you need them to move forward in your life. Lucky you, right? Lucky you. Um, what about they have the inability to connect? Inability to connect because there maybe the connection with the father is a little bit broken, so connection with each other can be broken. Self-preservation and fear are at the center of the relationship um, because maybe there's something to hide or they feel like they have something to hide. Inability to, to connect. Control issues. Maybe there's control issues. Do you feel anxious or fearful when you are around them? You guys, I have had friends that I was afraid of, legitimately afraid of. And to the point where one of them was like, I know you're afraid of me. I was like, you are accurate. I am so scared of you. (laughs) But that was me being a powerless victim in the relationship too. Why was I afraid? I'm like, I'm awesome. And also don't talk to me like that. Why didn't I do that? Because I was operating as a powerless person. Maybe they're judgmental. Forgiveness isn't a part of the equation. And you're not sure what you always need to be changing to be better, to be around them. Um, You may often be very aware of what you fall short of and feel like a failure instead of what is loved about you. That's, that's hard. What about domineering traits? They, they need to hold the reins, run the conversations, dominate the direction of the relationship. Maybe there's defensiveness. It's a probable that they love to challenge you, but the moment you challenge them, you're cut off. There's no iron sharpening iron. There's iron and you get to be jello, you know? 
And so that's that defensiveness, dishonesty, um, dishonest with themselves and therefore with you. They're not able to evaluate their own character. Therefore, they can't be honest. There's dishon- and dishonesty in many ways too. That can be very damaging to a relationship. But in all of this, I just want to say don't forget grace, okay? People are human. So are you. Um, and if you feel as though you are meant to move forward um, towards someone in love, no one is perfect, but also just remember boundaries. <laughs> okay, very quickly. Are you guys doing good? Okay, (laughs) three traits of safe people, okay? This is very important. They draw me closer to God. They draw me closer to God. When I'm with them, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you and I love God so much. And even if they are telling you what you're doing wrong or what you need to work on, you're like, yes, you're right, ouch, thank you. They draw you closer to God. They draw you closer to others. They draw you closer to others. Does this relationship help you become more loving and relational or does it cause you to be more fearful and isolated? I have had some relationships in the past that cut me off from my other close relationships because they wanted to isolate me. They wanted me to only be their friend because they were jealous of my other close friendships. Anyone had those wonderful friendships? (laughs) Um, But you know what? My lifelong friends... They would tell me the truth and be like, this is dangerous, what you're entering into here. Listen to your lifelong friends, the ones you have done life with. Because Proverbs 27, 5 through 6, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And honestly, they're just going to tell you everything they love about you until they have you cornered, and then they are going to control that relationship. Number three, helps me become the person God created me to be. Do they make you more Christ-like? Do they make you want to become like him? Three quick ways um, to become a safer person and build safer relationships. After I get to number two, you can call the Uber. Okay, evaluate honestly. managing all the things. I'm like, soccer, here, we got this. Um, We got to evaluate honestly, okay? Evaluate yourself first. This is how you become safer and build safe relationships. Evaluate yourself honestly. Search my heart, oh God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and then lead me on um, the, the way of everlasting, right? Psalm 139, 23. And so we've got to pay attention to that too. Invest wisely, Invest wisely. Use wisdom when deciding who to develop relationships with, who you're going to marry. Hello, like we don't just, like my husband, I'm not saying you have to take forever even. My husband and I dated um, for six months and we were engaged and six months later we were married. I had dated a lot of losers. And so then (laughs) when he came into my world, even though we were so different, we couldn't be more night and day. But I evaluated wisely that doing life with this man and growing old with him was one of the best decisions I could make. And it still is 17 years later. And it's not always easy. And I choose him every day. And he chooses me every day. And we have difficult conversations. But we need to evaluate and invest wisely. Invest wisely in your friendships. You guys, when I go around and preach, people are like, oh my gosh, we'd be best friends if we lived in the same town. And I'm like, no, we wouldn't be. (laughs) Because I just have four kids and a husband and a couple of really close, beautiful friends. And I'm grateful for them, but we all have to invest wisely and know our limits and know how much time we actually have. And if that offends other people, just be like, bless you, but you can take your offense before God because I'm sorry, (laughs) right? Okay, three, confront lovingly, not confront to be right. Why do we confront lovingly? Ephesians 4.15. 
Instead, we speak the truth in love. Why? Because we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ who is the head. Oh man, confrontation is about bringing maturity to a friend, not being right. Bringing maturity to your spouse because I love you and I see who you really are. Let me call you higher. So I do it with love, not because I'm angry at you and you frustrated me and I know I'm right because I'm super smart. Truth and love because we want to become mature believers. Amen. Okay, guys, I'm so sorry because I want to stay here and just be like, let's worship. I'll let JR do that. Um, but listen, John 15, read it. John 15 is essential in relationship because God is going to cut off and prune your relationships. Let him do it. Stay connected. Remain in the vine. Amen. I love you guys so much. I missed you. I'll see you soon. Come on up, Jared.